Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the Thai software story with my friend Walter Mitchell. How's it going, Walter? It's going great. Hey, thanks for having me on the podcast today. I'm really happy to be here. I struggled saying Walter Mitchell because I wanted to call you Mitch, which is what you go by. <laughs> so <laughs> I do. I go by Mitch and... Uh... I think I confuse everybody with that. So I have basically two first names. I'm either Walter or I'm Mitch. And uh, definitely. You're going to be Mitch for the rest of the point. podcast. That'd be great. <laughs> so, yep. So I'm very excited to talk to you, Mitch. We, uh, we were talking before. We had worked together years ago. Uh, we are both at different companies. We'll talk a little bit about your history. But you've been around in the TMS biz for quite a while. And we'll talk about that. But So I'm excited to hear somebody who's been uh, been around the block a few times and, and still a young man. Anyway, Mitch, please introduce yourself and your company, where you're calling from today. Yeah, well, I'm Walter or Mitch Mitchell. I'm with Thai Software. So I'm in Southern California. We're, we have our primary office in Huntington Beach. It's also where I reside. So we get great weather and, and a couple downsides that come along with California, but overall a pretty great place, great place for us. And, and we have a great location for our office too. So I'm the CEO of the company. I've been involved with the freight business since actually like I think around 1998. And then I got really involved around 2005. And that from then on, it's been a, the only thing I've been focused on is the freight business. It's and been a wild ride. It's been a fun ride. Yeah. There's always adventure along the way. Yeah, and so when we, before we hit record, I was asking you, so when we say transportation management system these days... That could mean so much, but you said you were really just focused in on freight brokers, right? Yeah, that's right. So everybody who moves in, who moves freight or has logistics needs a TMS. The problem is there's a lot of segments of the TMS of the space. Shippers' needs are very different than a broker's, which can be very different than an asset-based carrier or what their their needs are. So we at Thai we focus purely on freight brokers or 3PLs and make sure that, that we're providing exactly what they need and doing it as well as we can. Yeah. And while we were uh, prepping, talking, we were talking about how many freight brokers there are. And I, I, I've said this a few times in my podcast, my friend Don Salvucci Fabier said, I think there's like 17,000. And then I heard somebody else say, I think there's 20,000. And then I was talking to JD from JW Surety Bonds. He said, no, Joe, if you go in the system... The, the government system, there's 22,000. So you said, I think 17,000 is more like it. So talk a little bit about just the market of freight brokers and 3PLs. Yeah, I think the freight broker market segments up a little a little ways, especially when we're talking about North America or the United States specifically, in that there's a good number of asset-based freight broker, licensed freight brokers who are really asset-based companies who do a little bit of freight brokerage. And then there's another subset that are brokerage first or 3PLs first, and that's what they focus on primarily. And maybe those guys might have one or two assets, but they're really focused on being the facilitator of the freight. And so that's where the number gets a little bit smaller from that 22,000 or 
somewhere in that range down to 17 or 15,000 or and then is the there's a lot of small brokers in that space in the space as well. So when you get to your mid-sized broker the number gets even smaller. So it's kind of an interesting little area there, right? In that how many there are and how many of them are brokerage first. And so as we try to focus on the broker first, which is lines up with a little bit more of what Don from Green Screens was talking about in that 17,000 number. Yep. And I think we also recognize that there seemed to be a growth of freight brokers during the last, we'll call the last few years, especially during COVID. And I think there, we saw growth in the freight broker market because there was a capacity crunch. And so somebody might say, I normally work with these trucking companies or this 3PL. And then all of a sudden, those guys couldn't help me. I looked to the freight broker market. And yeah. I think that that kind of shows, hey, if there's a capacity problem, these guys are going to pop up and they're going to be in great demand. That's exactly right. And and so that's where you get those small where they're running a small amount of their business as a freight brokerage because at the end of the day we have to service our customer and that's one of the real values that a freight brokerage brings in comparison to an asset-based carrier is that the freight broker is primarily their purpose in life is to help their customer and to make sure that they're providing value to the customer because if they don't do that they don't exist whereas an asset-based is has a split focus they have to not only appeal to the customer, but they also have to manage their assets because their their drivers and that and those trucks are a very important piece of the business and making sure they're optimized and making sure they're moving properly. So when the capacity gets really tight and then you can't find a truck for your customers or you don't have your own, then hitting the brokerage market was the way a lot of people went. And so we'll probably see that cycle a little bit as time moves on. And we've seen it cycle over the years. And, and the key piece though is that you know, the brokerage market will continue to stay pretty healthy just with a little bit of fluctuation over time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I will be curious. Now, my, my first thought is we got a whole bunch of big companies and we know who's there with the C.H. Robinsons of the world, TQL. Yeah. Uh, we see Convoy, Uber, we've LoadSmart, great transfix, lots of great companies. I just talked to Doug uh, Wagner from Echo Global Logistics. He's they built a fantastic company over there. So we see these huge companies yeah. and they're using technology and their cost per transaction is lower than than the if you and I weren't using technology, we're going to struggle to get the same low transaction costs that those guys get. That's why we need tech. So I feel like the yeah. survivors, I think we'll see some consolidation in the industry. And who knows, maybe, maybe there'll be another need for freight brokers. I still see... There, and by the way, when I first came to logistics, I came from automotive. My first thought is, why do 3PLs and brokers exist? And I thought, well, why don't these guys work directly with the carriers? The shippers work directly with the carriers. And I soon realized all the reasons why not. And now you look at a freight broker, carriers depend on them to get me good freight. Get me that backhaul that gets me back from that load in Atlanta back to my house in Chicago. And they're also looking and saying to their shippers, I will get you a fantastic carrier to work with. And I will make sure the communication is good. I will make sure the billing is good. So I definitely see the need and I'll be curious to see how the market goes for brokers and 3PLs going forward. Yeah, it's an interesting industry that we're in as well, right? Because as you said, the 
the freight brokers, there's such a need for them and they provide such a valuable service, but there is a kind of a struggle between the freight brokers and the asset side. Oh yeah. Um, and I've always, <laughs> it, I've always found it so interesting and, and I know it's the way and I understand why, because, uh, you know, there's a, a feeling of that the brokers are taking from the, yes. the asset guys. Right. And, and I understand that, but, but I don't think it's a valid thought process. I think it's probably better to think of it more along the lines of like the insurance industry or other industries that really embrace the brokerage type of a model. And they do really well with it because as I mentioned before, the purpose of a broker is to service and provide great value for a customer. And if that's your only focus, I, I think you can do it in a lot different of a way than if you're focused on trying to move your assets and move those vehicles. And so I think if, you know, and this is awfully hopeful, but if there was a, a future in which the brokerage and the asset-based guys worked closer together and really embraced each other a little bit better, it would provide even more value in our space and more optimizations, more, more profit. Uh, it would, I think it would improve ev for everybody. Yep. I think also one of the things that I think find is interesting is I get a lot of phone calls. I talk to a lot of people. Trucking companies always say, Joe, I just want more good shipper freight, meaning no freight broker. And I go, yet you've not invested in your website very much. No, 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 no. And how many sales guys do you have? Well, it's a low margin business. It's just me. Okay. So the freight brokers are your sales team. And I know you don't want to pay your sales team, nor does Mitch want to pay a sales team. But you know what? <laughs> they are necessary to your growth. They are necessary to your support of your existing customers. So I think sometimes that happens. But then the other side, I think a lot of carriers get the sense, and sometimes it's real, sometimes it's perceived, is that I'm doing all the work and that guy just made a thousand bucks on the shipment, I think. That's and, right. And I think what we're going to start to see from, and this is emerging, I think we're going to see freight brokers that say, I'm going to be completely transparent. I'm going to manage all your freight this month for a fixed fee. So I'm telling you what, I'm charging you X number of dollars ship to the shipper and then tells the carrier, hey, uh, here's here's the deal. I'll be completely transparent because I do feel like sometimes I've heard um, Michael Leto said it on my podcast. He said, you know, at Global Trans, he goes, we grew like a weed. And he said, but there was a time when, when there was a great need for brokers and you made a thousand dollars on a shipment and you ran over and bang a gong. Other companies had a siren that went off. And what if you were a shipper walking through the building that day and you go, Hey Mitch, what's going on here? Oh, one of our guys just made a thousand bucks on a load. <laughs> You'd be like, "Whoa, wait a sec, <laughs> get me out of here!" <laughs> right, that, that's for sure. Nobody likes to when you rub it in their face, right? But but it's kind of a tale as old as time. A disparage between the sales team and the operations. Salespeople have always made good margins and have always made good money, and that's part of what comes along with sales and operations feels that way about them. And that's kind of the relationship you see with the brokerage or 3PL compared to the asset is that the asset is more the operation side and the brokerage is more of the sales side. But, but I've come around, you know, cause I got a technology background. I'm a, I'm a developer at heart. I, I love writing code. I do it in my free time to, to relax, which I know is weird. <laughs> but through through my career, I've I've gotten the opportunity to work a lot with the sales team and to work in sales, 
And what I learned is that sales is hard. Sales takes a lot of work. So I love paying my sales team now because I appreciate the value that they bring. I appreciate how hard of a job it is and how much work they have to do to do that job, even though a good salesperson makes it look easy. But until you've sat in their shoes and or walked a mile in their shoes, you don't really know what it feels like to be on the sales side. And, and once you have, you realize it's worth it. They're, what they earn is worth it because it is hard work. And, and that's where you, it's, like I said, a tale as old as time, operations and sales. And so that's why, like I say, you don't want to rub their face in it. We don't want to make a big deal about it necessarily, but it is okay for them to, to get paid appropriately. Because oh yeah, it's a, it's a tough biz. It's a tough biz. I always, I always say it's one of the few parts of our business that we expect enormous percentage of failure. Now, if I said, "Hey, I got a factory, yeah. and about about ninety percent of the things I build are defective," you'd be like, "What? <laughs> what kind of what kind of factory are you running over there, yeah. Joe?" But if you're a sales guy and you go, "Ninety percent of my leads go nowhere," you'd be like, "Yeah, I get it." <laughs> <laughs> congrats on your great success <laughs> yeah and then to, to make it even more challenging we expect you to fail 90 percent of the time but and then smile <laughs> on the same note we want you to feel good about it like you're doing great and uh it that's just ties into why it's tough it's tough so let's switch gears for a sec uh, mitch tell me a little bit about you where'd you grow up where'd you go to school give us some career highlights before you started ty yeah so as I mentioned, I'm a technology guy at heart. I've always loved math. I've always loved computers. I've always loved writing code. But then uh, what I also realized is growing up, my dad was a general contractor. And one of the requirements was that on the weekends, I got the opportunity to work with him. Uh, I can tell you when I was about 14 to 16, I didn't consider it an opportunity. <laughs> um, <laughs> I bet he was easy uh, on you. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, yeah. It was... It was tough, but he taught me got a, a lot of great lessons. And, and one of the things that I realized is that I learned that the way I'm wired is, and the reason I like software development is I love to create. I love to create things that help solve problems. And, and that's really what my dad did. He was a general contractor and he would create homes for people or create kitchens for people that, that really made their house better and made their life better. And essentially that's what we do in, in the softwares. I create things that help make make life better for freight brokers. So I went to school for computer science. I went to University of California in Riverside, which is in Southern California. I got a degree in computer science, started working in, in software development. And then uh, in around 98, I started my first project that had to do with logistics. And I built an LTL rating engine. It was back at the time when MercuryGate was just a baby company and just getting going. And then there wasn't really a lot going on for technology in, in the space. And then it, you know, that project went around for a little ways, but around 2004 and 2005, uh, I started building my first TMS. And similar to my dad, I love being an entrepreneur. I'm very entrepreneurial at heart. I love running company and, and moving on to build great things, right? So that's when I started working with the TMS, built up a company, had a few bumps along the road, but I've been building TMS since. So it's been a few different companies. As you mentioned, Joe, we got to work together. I don't remember what year. I'm, thinking it, I'm thinking it was yeah. like 2010 or so. Yeah. yeah. 
It was a that while back, but I, right. did, I did use some of yeah. your LTL rating engines. And um, I will say I always loved the uh, interfaces on yours. Uh, it was ease of use. I'm, I came from an era where we used the old uh, mainframe systems that, uh, you know, required you to really get a lot of training in it. And they weren't intuitive. They weren't, they weren't fun. They weren't easy to look at. So I remember when I saw your rating engine, and by the way, what I loved about it was being able to train hundreds of people very quickly on it. It was like put together four or five PowerPoint slides and show people, give them their ID and bam, they're using it and loving it. So uh, yeah, I had good experiences with it. So when and why did you start Thai software? Yeah, so Thai is, I guess, third or fourth version or TMS company that I've worked with. And, you know, things change, partnerships change. And as I said, you know, there've been some bumps along the road through my career, but those bumps, you know, they, they add value in the end and have been, have put me in a place where we've got a really great thing now. And so for a while, we were building TMS and we were partnered with a freight brokerage, but it didn't really, and we were also providing a lot of different types of things to, to different people, but things changed around the COVID timeframe and the freight brokerage side of that business was struggling some. And so the a private equity firm, Excel KKR, came in and, and allowed us to split off the, the software side of the business. And when that happened, before that, I was the chief technical officer of the company. And so I had the opportunity to move from CTO role to the CEO role. And as the CEO, they, they gave me the opportunity to build technology company that focused on freight brokers and focused on our TMS. And what we did was we narrowed our scope of what we were doing and, and really set up a plan to try and be extremely successful at the places we're really good at. And it turns out that's been a great ride for the last couple of years. Uh, we have been very successful. We've been growing. Yeah, you guys like crazy. have grown like a weed. I, I was looking on LinkedIn. You got a lot of employees now. <laughs> we, we're working on it, and it's it's been amazing. I've, I'm surrounded by a team of people that, that, frankly, it's a pleasure to work with. They're super smart, super capable, and together we're we're building a great TMS that really helps a freight broker. And you kind of mentioned it with the user experience user experience is a component of it, but it's about making sure that we think about the the freight broker first, the operations guy first, the users first, and and letting our technology make their life better. You know, how do we use the technology so that it helps you, not adds a barrier to what you're doing, right? And yeah. so that's that's been the road and it's it's just been a, a great journey and it's been so fun and I'm, I feel so lucky to be on the road I'm on today. Yeah, you know, uh, somebody, from another technology company said it to me and it really resonates with me as they said, you know, you have to build consumer grade technology. And what they mean by that is yeah. somebody who uses Facebook all day or all night and then goes on Amazon, buys their groceries or buys their sweaters or whatever. Then when they get to the office, they, they expect that level of interface. They want it to be easy and intuitive they want it to be fast. They want it to be reliable. There is no, hey, all day, all night long where you're scrolling social media, it's a great experience. And then you go to the office, you can't say, oh, okay, press right. control, F, control F8 to see the, the, the price. No, 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 no. It has no. to be that easy. And I heard this another a guy I'd worked with was creating a brand new sales and marketing. He was, I'm, I'm parts and service, I'm sorry, parts and service 
he was replacing a system and his his charter to his tech company was build it like it's Amazon. And so he had all these established distributors and end users who were saying, when will we get training in the new system? And he said, there'll be no training in the new system. It will be approach. like Amazon. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. And who would have said that 10 years ago? It was almost a given that we have crap at work <laughs> and and good stuff when we go home. But Yeah, and it's not appropriate. It's not the way it should be. So yeah, I completely agree. And I, I loved when you said that when you were working in our system back 10 years ago, even yeah. that the training that your team needed was minimal. Oh, it wasn't and just my exactly team using it. About, it so. wasn't just my yeah. team. It was our customers. All, all your customers. So we right. had customers logging into that system and there was hundreds of them. So we got really yeah. good at giving 10 minute overviews with PowerPoint. So if somebody could, as soon as they had a login, they're like, Oh, this is simple enough. And by the way, I had also had the experience of looking at multiple systems, probably five different systems. And I'm not going to mention all their names, but I gave feedback to some of the guys. I said, the user interface, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do when I get to the urine screen. And I'm going from screen to screen to screen to take do business. It's it's not like, it's, it's not at all intuitive. Um, you have to train somebody because it's, it's like you designed it for yourself. Yeah, by the way, I got to say this. I have Xfinity for my cable. So for generations, I feel like, well, this is like 20 years. You got that box in your house with the lights that light up. Yep, that's right. And it had a whole bunch of abbreviations that meant nothing to you. The serial number was absolutely microscopic. You, How I would see the serial number on that is I would blow it up with my phone and take a picture. Un- impossible yeah. to understand what that box is for. And you put it in millions of people's homes. Absolutely clueless. It's as if they decided to let's alienate our customers. And yeah. and and by the way, I got a new new uh, Xfinity thing. Looks much better. Works much better. And and has actual things like acting as if it's for humans. I keep thinking, was this built by your engineers for your engineers? Then why put it in somebody's house? Yeah. So. I'll geek out on it a little bit here for you because this is an area that's a real passion for me is when you you mentioned these things and one of the things that comes around with the user experience is a lot of times we think of user experience as it looking pretty, but it doesn't have to look pretty. It has to feel easy. And then then you go, oh man, feel, well, that's going to be hard to do. But there's actually science around this and it's really easy because it's about reducing mental friction when using a system. It's about making sure that, like you said, the user knows what to do next. It's obvious to the user what to do next. And that's all science. It's all about studying the way our eyes move. It's about studying the way we move our mouse. It's about studying the way we look at screens. It's about making it like Amazon because that's exactly what they do. And so we spend a tremendous amount of time talking to our engineers and proving to them that great user interface is done by engineering, not by graphics teams. Great user experience is about reducing mental friction. It's about science. It's about math. It's about focus on reducing mental friction. It's about making it so that the user knows what to do next. And that is predictable. It's, uh, it's very, very much rule-based. And so when we convince 
engineers that that's rule-based, then we can have engineers initially create the, the user experience. And we don't even need fancy designers to make it make it colorful and look pretty. We let we focus on the engineering side and and that allows us to make it so that we know where the buttons are. We know what we're going to click next. We know what's missing and and it just makes it super easy for the user. And so that's where uh, I love I love talking about it. And uh, right. I'll refrain from going on for the next 20 minutes and boring everybody. But that's one of the things we focus on a lot. It is so important. When I was still in automotive, we always talked about the, the look and feel. Of course, there's the engineering behind it. And there is there is kind of a combination of art and science in there. But yeah, we've all gotten into a car where you put your hands on the steering wheel and you go, oh my God, this is great. I love this, right? And and other times you get in a car and you go, I don't know how to turn on the windshield wiper. Where is it? Where is it? How do I turn this? Can I adjust my yeah. seat? And you're sitting there trying to figure it out less and less now, but especially... 20 years ago, you get in a car, if it wasn't your own, if it was a rental or something, you go, what the hell? <laughs> what am I doing here? You don't see that as much because there is much more just kind of the stuff you described as consistency. It, well, it's consistency. It's, the, it's meeting those expectations and they might be a very small thing like where's the windshield wiper, but it, but it makes a big difference. In the technology space, uh, we have this, there's this guy named Billy Hollis who does a lot of speaking sessions and uh, he has a bunch of videos and stuff out there too, but it's super fun to listen to him. It's again, one of the areas where I have a lot of passion around, but he talks a lot about just those kinds of things. Like what if your windshield wipers were moved from your steering column and were a button on the passenger seat? Nobody would ever know how to use it because that's not what we expect. And that's that mental friction I was talking about. Like right. it would take so much thought to to be like, oh man, well, if we make a red button that says save or go, that's so hard on our brains because red means stop, green means go. So if you make a red button that is that says next or says save, it just hurts our brains. <laughs> right, and so, right. Yeah, and Billy Hollis talks a lot about it. So it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is kind of what I mean at a very high level when I say consumer grade tech, and because Absolutely. the Amazons of the world, the DoorDashes, the Lyft. They have kind of gone through to really simplify these things and make it so it's so darn intuitive and so easy to use that you'll never say, oh, I don't use Lyft because it's too complicated. No, no one says that. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Anyway, let's switch gears. So so you guys, I know you've been working on TMS for a long time. And so you've seen yeah. kind of the growth of the technology, I guess I'll say, and the functionality. So what 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 do you think is kind of the next next things that we'll be looking at, the next things that you're looking at that say, yeah, that needs to do this and it doesn't currently do this. So we've got a couple things that we're working on at Ty that are pretty exciting. One of them is a little more common in our industry right now is focusing on documents and focusing on document processing and making sure that we're helping facilitate the entire shipment workflow and making all those steps really easy and making all of those steps so they're they're part of the flow. And so it's not just about getting the documents back from carriers, or, but it's also about helping make those documents easier to deal with. So bringing them in and using AI tools in the background to supplement what the brokers are doing. So when we get a, uh, 
a proof of delivery, for example, finding the right shipment that it belongs to, making sure that everything on that POD matches what we're expecting from the shipment and helping facilitate that. And there's a couple people in, this, in our space that are doing similar type work, but that's a really important part of the process and, and expanding it so that it does, so that we're thinking about that for all components of the shipment lifecycle. But then another area that's a big one for us is, is about emailing and bringing email to be a first class part of our application. And what I mean by that is we all can send emails out of the out of our TMS, like that's one one component. But making the full email interaction part of your TMS so that you don't have your email tool and your TMS as being separate things, that, that they're working together and allowing you to be unified in in what you do. So that's an area that we that we feel is going to be a really big step forward and something that we're going to push the expectations right. for. I love that. So first I want to talk a little, you mentioned documents. So what kind of doc, yeah, you mentioned proof of delivery. By the way, guys, I think people are listening going, oh, that's easy. I just talked to a very, very large shipper. Everyone would recognize their name. And they said, we did not get paid by another very large retailer because we can't come up with a proof of delivery on a lot of truckloads. And I was like, well, what do you mean you can't come I mean, and by the way, the numbers are quickly into the millions and you go, wait, that can't be. This is, these are sophisticated companies. It yeah. still happens. And by the way, when I was still moving freight, I would get a call every once in a while saying, hey, make sure your guys have those loads, that stuff here to our factory by this time. I would tell, tell the team and then I would get a phone call and I know exactly what that phone call is coming because it's from <laughs> their boss and say, Joe, I told you it had to be here by yesterday. And I was like, Pretty sure they did. And I'd be waving people in my office saying, did that get there? And they say, yeah. I said, could you send the proof of delivery? And sometimes they would say, yeah, I'll get it. Because they didn't get it. It wasn't automatic. It was, and sometimes it was, as soon as we get it from the trucking company, we'll send it to you. And then what was also crazy to me is they had received it, signed it, signed it as we received this, put it in their facility, and that they didn't have record of it. That's not so long ago. And I don't think those are rare. No, these are still problems today. And, you know, well, you said automate and, and that's a key piece for us. And then I, we mentioned before reducing friction, but it's not just about reducing friction, what they're, what you're doing when you're using the application, but why not reduce friction in the whole workflow? And, and what I mean by that is let's make it easy for a carrier to submit a POD. We know they need it. We know they're getting it. We know they, they delivered it, right? So let's make it easy for that proof of delivery to come from the carrier back through to the broker or back through to the shipper. So that way it's not a friction point for the carrier. If we can reduce it from being a friction point for the carrier, we can reduce it as being a friction point for the broker. Right. And we can reduce it as a friction point for the shipper. We can bring the whole process, make it a little easier, automate the process a little bit more, and reduce that extra overhead, reduce the pain that's being caused there by pulling out difficulties along the way. And that's what we're, we really focus on at, at TIE is let's pull out some of the difficult steps along the way and think about the whole process. Right. Because if we can make that process 30% better, that's tremendous. That's so much, you know, who wouldn't want to cut out 30% of their POD request phone calls, right? 
I also kind of have a, a little bit of a pet peeve about attachments. And sometimes you get attachments, especially from stuff overseas where it might be in Mandarin or Chinese, and then somebody interpreted it, and then it's attached to a TMS or attached to emails. And and my own philosophy on it is when it's in that document, whether it's a PDF or a Word document, it is static. No one can use it. There's no insights to be gained from it. It has to be converted from that into put it into a field <laughs> or a number of fields that makes it dynamic. Now I can start to to have data around it where I say, hey, I got all my proof of deliveries for this shipment over the last um, six months and I can start to gain some insights and things. That's right. And that's such an important piece. So what, what we try to do is you want to extract metadata from those documents, right? And so, and then you can take the document and you can categorize it. You can see what's in the document and use the information in the document. You make it searchable, right? So, I mean, how cool would it be to be able to just take your whole system and say, I want to find all the PODs that uh, have delivery dates on this date and were for this specific carrier. You know, there's no reason we can't do that. Right. No, that's what we need. That's what we need. And I'll tell you, the switching gears on you now, you mentioned email. Yeah. By the way, I got a call from a very, very, very large shipper who I had advised helping them select a 3PL. Very, very good group of guys. And he said... And we hope you told him, Ty. <laughs> they, went with a, they went with a 3PL. So a great one. Okay. And yeah. he, he said, how long are we going to have emails as part of our process? And I was like, a good question and what what he was getting at and I'll, I'll describe this i think anybody's in the business has experienced this and let's just say i am uh, i'm the broker and you are my customer and in the system the price was twenty five hundred dollars and then i called you and said hey mitch that that trucking company bombed out on me so i found somebody else but it's gonna be twenty eight hundred dollars i hope that's okay and you go yeah that's good joe and I might even follow up with an email and you, you might respond to it. A month later, Mitch no longer works there. And they go, hey, why are you billing us 2800 when the system says it was 2500 I go, oh, no, no. I, or twenty seven, whatever I mentioned. And I go, I talked to Mitch. Let me forward you the emails. And, and that is outside of, in my mind, that's not the source of truth. The email can't be, it's not no. the official source of truth. It has the source of truth has to be in the system. and But yet, I want that ease of communication with, I want to be able to collaborate in real time with people. And I know the newer systems, probably yours too, allows for that communication to happen within the system. But I still, I don't know if this is still a problem, but it was a problem for me and my team that there was still too much communication happening via emails. Yeah, so we're not going to make that go away because email is such a powerful tool and it's a convenient way to, and texting too now. <laughs> yeah, texting as well. And and texting should be brought is, and we do bring texting in just like email. So the thing that we want to do is we want to make it so they're not two separate places. So when we can set it up today where an email that comes into your mailbox is automatically brought into the system and categorized based on the shipment it belongs to and stamped into the notes. So your emailing activity and your shipment activity are all in one place. There's no separation between the two. This provides a tremendous amount of value, right? Because now you don't have that issue of 
well, apparently Mitch sent you an email and that's why you got this rate. Well, that conversation goes away because that email's already in the TMS. It's already part of your system of record. So email just becomes a facilitation tool. And then we don't have to, we don't have to worry about like, is the email causing us a problem? Because the email's just part of it. And so one of the things that we can do at Ty, which I think is a is super cool, is and part of this facilitating emails. If an email comes into your mailbox, we can take the, and read that email, understand that the using AI to, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, we can understand that the customer is asking for a quote request. We can create a shipment based on all the information that's in the email. In, so we create that shipment in the TMS. We stamp that note, that email into the activity log. We can generate a quote and then prepare it and notify you that, hey, the TMS has a shipment with a quote prepared and ready to go. And so you can go and open that up, scan it, and hit send. Literally, that's all you do. Scan it to make sure you're okay with it and hit send. We can even do it without the broker's interaction. But what we find is that they want to look at to it. let the broker see it. Yeah, we want you to see it. Like, take a look. That might change over time as I work with you longer Maybe. and longer. You, you might get to the place where you go, you know what? Why am I putting myself in the middle of this? And and I, I by the way, I, I know some companies are sending, doing just – so using, I think it's robotic process automation, right? Yeah. RPA. So and I, I receive a dozen emails in the morning, and I'm busy talking to customers. And meanwhile, the system is – collecting all those, putting all the relevant information into Ty. And then when I come in, I finally get 11 o'clock, I go, oh, I got to log in and see what's going on. And I find all these shipments that I now can put a price on. Or And then it, also what that allows me to save is a whole bunch of clerk time, which it let's does. face it, I said this to you before uh, we hit record, how this industry seemed to have so many clerks at one time. And it was a lot of taking stuff out of one system, or fax or email, entering it into the system and say, hey, I got 16 truckloads. I'm going to email them to you. And then you add them to the system. Not anymore. We're all connected. And this is just one more place where I'm reducing clerk work and putting, you said earlier, technology doesn't, doesn't eliminate employment but it, it just upgrades it so in a lot of ways like i'm not doing clerk work now i get to be a data scientist now i get to be a consultant for my customers as opposed to a clerk <laughs> yeah spend a couple extra minutes talking to the customer rather than entering their shipment in your tms you know if we can do that we consider ourselves a huge success if we can help you build that relationship if we can help you make sure that you're the customer is getting what they need that's a tremendous win on our side. And so that's what we try to focus on with that emailing tool. And and it seems to work really well for it. I also like this, that sometimes you work with shippers who say, hey, we're busy. I'm not going to log into your system. I'll just send you my loads. Yeah. And, or I'll ask you for quotes, whatever they might do. And everybody, I, 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 I did it. I would always say, no, 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 you don't understand. All you have to do is I'll give you a login. And the guy got too many logins. I'm not doing that. And by the way, there's some people, especially if they're working on the dock, they're like, my job isn't to be in systems. My job is to get stuff out of this facility onto a truck. So I'm not going to play in your system. I, I joke about it, but I, I mean this in a mean way. Or anything. 
they took that job so they didn't have to sit at a desk and enter into systems. <laughs> yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And we'll bring this right back to reduce friction. What if you have that same guy that's working on that, that doc and he has an opportunity to work with either a freight broker who he can send an email to and says, hey, I got something. I've got three pallets delivering to this address. Or does he have to send or to the next broker, he has to go and open up their application, log in, enter all the information for his shipment, and then hit request quote. Which one's he going to prefer to work with? The one he's going to prefer is the one that requires less work. And so our emailing tools, they can make it so we can run an entire shipment lifecycle and we can make it work just like they're logged into the to that customer portal, but they don't have to have the customer portal at all. They can just send free form emails to our system and we'll help facilitate that process, reduce the friction yep. for that customer and give you the opportunity to win more freight. And then you also get the added bonus of we can do it faster. So if you can be, and this is a, a another really fun topic that we will try not to go down too far on, but if you can convince somebody to finish the deal or win the business while they're still emailing brokers, so maybe they're sending an email out and they're logging into one of the systems and they're starting to put in their information, but they've already sent the email to you. And then you reply back with that quote, hey, I can do this for $2,600. Click here to if you want to accept it. Buy now. And they're in the middle of entering the information. Guess what? You're going to win more business because they're going to be like, ooh, yep, I'm clicking on that. And they click it. Their bill of lading's produced. Their pickup's confirmed. And you've done it. And you've stopped them from reaching out to your competitors. This is how you can win. Yeah, you mentioned the friction that you're taking it out. Think about Amazon. They, they want to, you to be able to buy with one click. I buy, I use a lot of, read. I listen to Audible books a lot, and um, which is owned by Amazon. And they're always just buy, buy three more credits. It's so easy. Just press, your, press, your, press that button and I have three more credits. And probably if you go went five, 10 years ago, if they had the Audible, it would have been go through this process, put it in the basket, you know, check your data. Now it's just buy now, buy now, buy now. <laughs> and then that doesn't even count the other part of that psychological victory is that when you are listening to books, now there's no cost associated to listening to that book. You just search for the book you're looking for and click listen. You're not worried about those credits. You're not worried about how much they cost or anything like that. You're just clicking listen. And, and that reduces another step of the friction in the process and, and reduces that mental fatigue. It, it gives you so much opportunity to, to make your life a little bit easier. Yep. So I want to switch gears for a sec. So we just talked a little bit about how you guys are doing a better job with documents and then how you're also helping people manage emails better. Another area that I know you guys do real well in is partnerships. And I was talking with my friend Don Savucci Favier on my podcast, and she mentioned that she worked for a lot of the top TMS companies. And along the way, she said, you're always worried about the six or seven functions that you do in the TMS. And and she says, it's a never ending. You improve this area, which is maybe the rating engine, or you improve this, the interface, whatever you should be working on, there's six or seven main functions that you guys create. 
And she says, it's a, it's like a whack-a-mole kind of thing. Because as soon as you feel like you're best in class here, you realize, oh, we haven't done anything with this in 18 months. And then she mentioned kind of this new thinking about transportation management systems. And I don't think it's just transportation management. I think it's all software, which is we are going to create a really great framework to connect to other systems. And so Dawn being over at Green Screens, they create dynamic pricing tool. And I know they're one of your partners. And so explain explain kind of this mindset that you guys have as a TMS and and talk about some of those partners that you guys well, first off, why you have those partners? Because you couldn't you don't do all this yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a, a good point. It, it's really kind of a natural way for us to progress because what we realize is that as a TMS, our responsibility is to be a system of record and to bring all the information together and focus on the overall view of how do we move your freight, how do we manage it for you, how do we make sure that you have the tools you need to do your job well. So that's what we focus on from a TMS point of view. And the value that we get from working with people like Green Screens and Parade and DAT, you know, all of the, the specialists that have specialty products out there is that they're very good at what they do. You know, the Green Screens team, they are amazing. They do some, some really cool work and have done a, a tremendous job with their product. Same with Parade. Parade has some amazing products and we love working with them too. And there's a bunch of others that do it. Uh, Trucker Tools, for example, on the, on the visibility side, they have such a great app and a great ability to, to connect and bring that information. So when we, as a TMS provider, work with them, we're providing best-in-class integrations. If I built that the com com competitor to green screens and tried to compete with what they're doing, it would be difficult to it's try a whole to do that company. as well as they do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so it doesn't, you know, our TMS doesn't require you to have green screen or parade or trucker tools or, you know, any of those tools. You don't have to have them, but it makes your experience a little bit better. And so you can still do a lot of things without it, but it adds more value. It helps level up your game. It helps make your life easier. It helps make the broker more efficient. So that's what we're trying to do is we want to build up these partnerships and we want to work with best in class products in the space and make sure that, that we're all working together to help freight brokers be better at what they do, help freight brokers facilitate their freight with less friction, help them be the best iteration of themselves. And, and so that's why. It, re it reminds me, uh, and by the way, there's older transportation management systems built on older platforms. And I'm sure a lot of them have updated over time. I'm not putting anybody down. But those were not built with the idea that I will integrate best in class. I don't know, I'll call them apps for this one one sec. They were not they were not designed with that in mind. Now, so you guys, if I want to use green screens, if I want to use parade, I want to use one of these, it's it's get the code from green screens that I paid my paid them and boom, I'm using it. And you know what it reminds exactly. me of? If anybody's familiar with like WordPress, like my word my website's on WordPress. I think thirty percent of the internet yeah. is yep. WordPress. It's a WordPress, lot. WordPress WordPress is that framework and they say we will do we will be the um, framework that everybody else works in. So if I need to, uh, a calendar, I don't develop my own calendar. Code, I don't code that. WordPress allows me to pick from like probably 25 different calendar 
and I just click on it. I got to buy it from that company. But it's it makes so much more sense than finding yourself out of date. And I think this is the challenge because next year there's going to be another killer app out there that every you know for, well but a few years ago everyone wanted visibility. And by the way, not everybody has the visibility they want yet. That's right. Still moving up on that. Uh, now dynamic pricing. I think that that is. I've said it before in my podcast. You either there's going to be winners and losers. The winners are going to have dynamic pricing parade. All these different tools that the next killer app is out there. We don't know what it is, but when it comes, you don't want all 200, however many customers you have, saying, "I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave Tide because there's another software that I want access to." It makes no sense. That's right, and. You know, you're the way you're talking about this is is right on point, and is that you know, as a freight broker, I learned from Dawn. It's not me. You got <laughs> perfect. <laughs> She's super smart, so it's a good person to learn from. As a freight broker, you sure you can probably get away without using all the all of the cool tools that are available, but it just makes your life harder. It makes it harder to compete with some of the bigger players. It makes it harder to be successful. And so, when you do leverage these technologies it makes it a little bit easier. Um, but one of the things that we do focus on on Ty is not just integrating with green screen. To be candid with you, my dev team, they could do that in literally a couple hours to set up the integration. Today, when a customer wants to use it, obviously we just it's very, very easy. They just flip a switch like you were mentioning. But when we build an integration to somebody like green screens, we sit down with Dawn and her team and our product team together, and we talk about how do you want brokers to use your product what's the best way for them to work with through our system and what we do is we design that integration so that it really brings a lot of value and sometimes it's little things like mapping the mapping data across from our system to the other because sometimes we use different terminology or different types of things so we put a tremendous amount of effort and focus on making sure that not only do we build an integration and connect the two companies together, but we do it in a way that brings real value and that makes it so that that integration is very streamlined and helpful, right? So that the it brings out the best in the green screen product through our TMS. And just like we want for the brokers, we want that for our partners too. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that experience. And again, I think this is collaboration is makes a lot of sense. And I think for a long time, people were saying, I'm going to create the perfect ERP and you will never use anything other than us. Well, then at some point somebody says, yeah, I love your ERP, but I need it to connect to my financial system. No, 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 no. Use ours. No, no, we're already using it. And do you want to lose that customer or do you want to integrate? And I think we are all learning that quick integration, I mean, instant, you know, as opposed to that old fashioned, uh, if I can find a guy, he'll be really expensive and he won't start for six weeks. You know? And that's going to take him eight weeks to integrate it. And here's the bill. Yeah. And you're like, screw it. We'll just have a clerk log it in. <laughs> right? Yeah. Anyway, I, I could talk to you all day about this stuff, but I want to wrap this bad boy up. So before we get off of what is the sweet spot for you? I know you work with freight brokers. Who's the sweet spot and kind of what makes you guys different and better from the other systems that are out there? Yeah, so Thai Software is all about providing tremendous value to freight brokers that are U.S.-based. Uh, LTL and full truckload 
are our specialties. If if you're a freight brokerage and you're running LTL shipments or you're running full truckload or over the road shipments, the Thai TMS is perfect for that. We focus very heavily there and we focus on making sure that our product does a really good job for that segment of the market. Now we do well with, you got to be running a couple hundred shipments to make us worth to really value per month, the value that it, uh, yeah, per month. Yep. A couple hundred shipments per, per month is kind of the smallest side. And then we scale up from there to tens of thousands of shipments per month. So just different levels there. But if you're a freight broker that's looking to grow or freight brokers that really is focused on running a good streamlined business, Thai software is the right one to help make sure that, that you can do that and, and be competitive and be good at what you do. Excellent. Excellent. So I'm going to ask you to wrap this bad boy up. What's next for you? What's next for Ty? And then what's next for the industry in regards to what we discussed today? So for me and for Ty, we're very well aligned. Like I said earlier, I'm, I'm really happy about the, the way things are going here. It's, I feel very privileged to be part of this journey. But Ty's on a major growth path now. We're, we've got such a great product and we're trying to make sure everybody knows about the product. So uh, our goal is to be the market leader for LTL and full truckload freight brokers in the United States. Uh, and we're moving down that road because we know that if we focus where we are and if we can get in front of more brokers, that we can make their business better. We can help brokers be better at what they do. So that's our goal is to keep pushing forward on that and, and show more brokers how much we can help them and bring them all into our platform. Yeah. So what's next for the industry? So for the industry, you know, I think we're going to be moving into a, some challenging times over the next year. And you kind of mentioned this earlier where we're going to see a little bit of consolidation. So I think our industry is going to be focused on efficiency for a little while. We're going to be capacity will probably loosen up, but we'll be focusing on making sure that our systems are efficient and making sure that our business runs efficiently and effectively so that we do stay competitive and that we do stay able to stay in front of that curve. All right, Mitch, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who should I interview on my podcast? A smart young man or woman like yourself? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of good ones. Um, you already brought up Don and Greenscreen, so that you know that's a, you got a, some big wins already in there. <laughs> One of the people that I would say would be uh, great to interview, a real dynamic personality and super knowledgeable, is uh, Jordan Reber from ARL. He's a great. I really know right. a lot about them. And what, is they, what do they do? ARL is uh, their freight brokers. They also have some asset side of their business, but the as part of the US One network. But as ARL, they're their freight broker, mostly full truckload, and they're in they're back east and and do just tremendous amount of of really good good work and really focus on making sure their business is really well run and operates effectively. So I will reach out and talk to Jordan. So what conferences are you guys going to get to? Will I see you at Manifest at the end of the month? We will have a couple people at Manifest. It's where all the cool kids are going to be. Come on. Yes. Yes. We'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely have some attendance there. Our biggest conference of the year and uh, the one that you'll see us at in full swing will be the TIA conference in April. So we will Where's we'll that have at? a big presence there. That's in Orlando this year. All right. So yeah, we're real excited about that one, and uh, we'll have our whole team there. We'll have a nice booth, and uh, we definitely would love to see everybody. So come on by. Excellent. What I'll do, Mitch, is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. 
I'll put a link to your website and any other links your marketing teams gives me. I'll put those in the show notes so we can reach out and talk to you about Thai software. Great. Thank you, Joe. This has been a super fun conversation. Yeah. I really it's appreciate great to you catch taking up. the time and having it with me. Absolutely. Yep. And I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mitch. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.